0: Listening to the boys of Howard Show. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Daniel. Uh, hey, baby.
1: Hello, the Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there, and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth, and my name is John Teague. So, well, this one's an experiment. This is a short stories. I've got three short stories coming um, for you on on today's episode. Uh, The first story um, is a story with my Uncle Butch, Julian Fennell. um, And and he tells me a story of... um, of something that happened to him this summer that was definitely like a bucket list job for him. Um, It's something that he's always wanted to do. and, um, and And I know just how excited he was after it happened. And I just thought, very cool story. Um, the second story is another a mate of mine. Um, his name's Greg, uh, and and he told me this story a while ago, and I was just was like, what the fuck, and I, and I thought about it a lot. So I asked Greg, would you know, would he tell me that story? But Greg is just like a madman. He's so hard to pin down, and um, I've been trying to get him for ages, and and it just couldn't happen. And so I ended up meeting him at a fucking truck stop. It was like the only time that uh i managed to like cross paths with him and so we're set up in this truck stop and then as i set up in the corner on a table the lady comes over and tells us tells us that we've got 10 minutes 10 minutes before shut so i said well fuck let's just have a crack at it um so if it sounds rushed or i sound rushed and i feel like i you know like it's just because like the lady was glaring at us and it was fucking piss and rain and there was a people it was just it was a bit of of a mess but i think i think you'll get the gist you'll get the gist it's there and um and i hope you enjoy that one and then the last one there's three three short stories um bad day on the l i r r um i'm just going to leave that one alone that's just it you can just experience it for what it is and uh it's see you on the other side. All right, wow. see ya. you hear two hours of crap. A
0: complete and total really all right, this is David Bowie. What it did uh, to herald to me was that weekend coming, because the weather forecast, the moon, the tides, everything, and the winds was all looking like it was going to be a great weekend. I thought... Well, they're all going to be in the main spots. You know, Western, you know the Western Channel, the Nobbies, Cape Shank. And I thought, there's no way we're going there. It'll be just boats everywhere, blokes fighting for position. And I hate all that stuff. It just not, not, in, not at all interested in that. Mm. So my mate and I, Duncan, we thought we'd go out, go out the other side of Phillip Island, the eastern end of it, go out through San Remo, and try and locate, I had a a mark on my chart plotter that was off or well, south of Ulamai Head, about, oh, roughly about a kilometre out, a big bomby that comes out of about 40 odd metres of water. And with, with the weather we had, the swell that we'd had earlier in the week, we sort of figured that it might push some of the... Larger kingfish offshore a bit to get away from the turbulence of the backwash of waves breaking up against cliff face and that. So we thought we'd go out and have a look at this. And we got out reasonably early. I guess we're out. Well, it's, it takes about 50 minutes from ramp to, to where we, our destination was and we're out by about, I'd say it was about 8 o'clock and there was already about six or seven boats there. Now you've got to keep in mind that this bommie is not a great big piece of real estate. It would have a surface area of probably half an acre, mm. and it rises up on one side very. What is st- that
1: like a footy field.
0: Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not quite as big as a. F- yeah, maybe not quite as big as a footy field, but it's not a lot of real estate yeah. when you've got boats yeah. trying for position. And on one side, it's a complete vertical rise out of 43 metres to about 13 metres. And on the shallow side, it comes up to about 9 metres out of about 28 metres. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really standalone bommie. And the water was fantastic. The weather was perfect, nice and warm, gentle breeze, not a lot of swell around. Nice bit of current coming out of the east. So the boats were all trolling over where we thought the kingies were, and sure enough, they were on the sounder. There was a lot of kingies we could see on the sounder, bait schools and kingfish. But we'd been, well, we were trolling skirted lures with uh, full calamari weighted, so they were down about five metres, five to eight metres in depth. Other people were doing jigs. Other people were live baiting. No one, none of us were even getting any interest. Not one bait got slapped. Uh, And we'd been doing this for a couple of hours. So, yeah, it was... Frustrating? Yeah, becoming frustrating, yeah. It was still magnificent being out there. The day was just perfect, yeah. Yeah, So it was good. It was good being out there.
1: And, um... And then?
0: (laughs) And then? um, Well, I have a... I've been a bit predisposed to dislike anybody on a jet ski after my experiences in the bay because there's a lot of idiots who have no idea about their water manners. And sure enough, while we're out there trolling, this fellow turns up on a jet ski Mm. and circulates around and then drops his anchor right in the middle of this bommie. Which is interesting when you've got boats trolling over and over this bommie with not a lot of room, that this guy chooses to anchor in the middle of the bommie. So we're in our sequence, let's say, and we were just coming up to the bommie, and as we drive past, I saw that he was in his wetsuit and all geared up, and I thought, yeah, he, this guy looks like he's going for a swim. So I said to him, I said, uh, you you planning on having a jumping in, are you? He said, Oh yeah. He's a really enthusiastic bloke and straight away I liked him. He was one of those fellas, just his whole manner, I thought, yeah, this he's a decent dude, this bloke, out in his own kilometre offshore, in a pretty pretty much a blue water bomby, you know, out in the middle of the ocean rather than being coastal. And he's gonna jump in and have a dive. And I thought, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I got a pretty good feeling about him. So we just had a brief chat as we trolled by. And as we were moving away, I said to Dunk, I said, uh, Duncan, the fellow who was on the boat with me, I said, what do you reckon, Dunk? He said, yeah, you yeah, go for it. So we've come back, and as the real estate. Of this bomb, he wasn't all that large. I didn't want to intrude on this fella. So we've come back. And I said, uh, you, You're going to have a spearfish? And he said, Yeah. He said, Are they down there? I said, There's plenty of them down there, but they're not taking anything. And he said, Oh, yeah, but they're down there. And I said, Yep, they're down there. <laughs> and he's, he's, I was, he sort of looked at me and I looked at him I said, Would you like some company? Well, he's thrown me this sideways look, and I thought, oh, here we go. He, and he's sort of thrown me this sideways look, and he's looked at me. He said, yeah, why not? Yeah, jump in. So I've gone, you beauty. Because <laughs> so, I wasn't confident enough to have done it on my own. So we've moved off in our progression. I've got myself ready. So by the time we've come back to the bombing again, 15 minutes have gone by, this guy had already gone in, whose name turned out to be Steve, uh, as I found out later. So I've jumped in, and I was quite anxious, to be honest. My heart was going. It,
1: uh, w- why? Because it's very unlike you.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. It's, um, so
1: can you articulate why?
0: Well, I was excited. Yeah. This was, I love this is the sort of stuff I love doing. It was a challenge. You know, we're in deep water. Yeah. We're in an area where, you know, anything could swim by.
1: Well, I'm just going to say, they caught the biggest shark in Australia out there. (laughs) (laughs) Went around Australia on the back of a semi-trailer.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, there are. Yeah. They all say that. There's definitely sharks. A lot of sharks around there, and there's a lot of feed for them, you know, a lot of seals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got to say, in 55 years of spearfishing, around Port Phillip Bay and all this. I've never seen a menacing shark. I've seen a lot of small ones, but nothing.
1: No semi-trailers?
0: No semi-trailers, but it still doesn't stop you looking around behind you when you're in the water, in an open water location like this. So I was was excited about getting in because my bucket list for this summer, which I'd sort of set out, I I like setting these little, targets for myself but one of them was to spear a kingy preferably one at least 10 kilos and ideally one being you know in a blue water location that is a location that's not attached to the coastline so here i was i was in a blue water location in a location that comes on one side out of 42 odd meters of water and we had the best visibility I can remember having in have to be 15 years and the visibility was anywhere between 12 to 16 meters which was fantastic so we everything was great so I was anxious I wanted to get in I wanted to um, yeah I wanted to get a king yeah (laughs) I wanted to get a king if I were gonna comply but, you know... Uh, so you,
1: a king is a kingfish. Yeah, yellow-tailed kingfish. Right, and they're an incredible...
0: They're a torpedo of a fish. They, um, they're they incredibly strong, a really good pelagic game fish. Pelagic? Yeah, they eat other fish, in other words, oh, okay, so yeah. they're a hunter. Yeah. Um, they have a menacing look about them. They have this black stripe over their eye with a downturned mouth, and they are... A torpedo is the best way to describe them but they are laconic they just swim around like they're looking for the next fight you know, and they swim in small groups so there's a lot about them that I just I'm in awe of I just I just think they're extraordinary fish pound for pound reputedly they're one of the hardest fighting fish in the ocean uh, my experience with them is they fight like there's no tomorrow if you've if you're fishing for them, you've got to make sure every bit of your tackle is as it should be because they'll break anything. If, the, if there's a faulty line, a faulty knot, if there's a rubbing your braid, if, if your, your mono leader is, has been rubbed or whatever, they will break that line. No matter how small they are, they will break it because they just go off like torpedoes. But, yeah, so here I was swimming around on the surface – Trying to slow my heart down. So you had your
1: gear on board. You had. I, I always have
0: my gear on board. Okay. Yeah. Right. I always no. have a dive. Yeah, okay. No matter where I am, I always yeah. jump in the water. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I had my gear on board. Um. And if, funnily enough, I just repowered, but I had my small spear gun, which is a I'd converted into a roller, roller gun, which probably doesn't mean much, but it's, it was a single rubber, so the whole length of the gun you have power on but it's a little 800 um, Rob Allen gun which I really like but you know stupid me one of the big mistakes I made on this particular dive is I normally have the gun attached to a float line and it's about 18 meters of float line to a float that follows you around lets other boats know you're in the water but my thought was well I better not do that if there's boats trawling around I didn't want my float line to get in their way. So I'm just down there with my gun. And well and good, I didn't really think much about it until all hell broke loose.
1: So you meet up, you go over and meet Steve?
0: I go over and meet Steve and, I'm a, as I said, I'm anxious. This is all breath-hold diving, yeah, so like you hold your girl. breath. Yeah. So if your heart's pounding your not, breath hold's not going to be great at all. Right. So I'm having to try and slow myself down. So I did a couple of familiarisation dives, which were short because I couldn't, keep, <laughs> couldn't hold my breath. And I thought, oh, bugger this. Uh, I've got to really settle myself down. And I'm on the part of the bommie that looked over this drop-off and there was a precipice of rock and there was a big undercut from that precipice And it was a a straight drop down to 40, I think it was 42 or 43 metres. And sitting in the current was this little bait school of what they call baker perch. And they are magnificent little fish. They're only probably six inches long. But they're a school fish that pelagic fish like. So I thought I'm just going to duck dive down, get myself familiarised, slow myself down, decompress my suit just get myself sorted I was getting annoyed at myself at this stage I just couldn't slow myself down so I've gone down probably 12 metres I've hung on to the um, 12 metres yeah about 12 metres yeah hung on to some kelp and I'm just down behind and below this uh, this school of baker perch head up into the current and thinking yep this is starting to feel good Now I've got my gun there and all of that and so I think oh yep Time time to leave. You know, I'm ready to surface now. And then lo and hold, at the corner of my eye, just right at the very edge of my peripheral, I see this fish coming along. And with because the water was so clear, the perspective of how large this fish was, I couldn't quite make out, but it was a kingy. And the one thing I know with kingies is you cannot... Look at him.
1: So it was one king or group of king?
0: Well, all I could see to start with was this one, one king. And as he started swimming around into my vision, there was two on either side of him. And what struck me, like all of this happens in a, mu- in a matter of seconds, but it sounds like it takes minutes, but it was, it blew me away. You've got this big daddy at the front, He's two, literally, two wingmen just in behind him either side in a perfect arrowhead formation. And in behind him, all in formation, I don't know how many, I'm going to say ten, might have been might have been fewer, might have been more, but I'm fighting every urge I can to turn my head to look at him because as soon as you do that, you spook him. And I'm out of breath, but I'm thinking... I can't leave, <laughs> Yeah, I can't leave, and then the big daddy turns around and he's just out of range, he's probably six, seven metres from me, but he is magnificent, and he's eyeballing me, I know, I know for certain, he is checking me out, and I'm in position, I'm floating, probably, t- probably around 11, 12 metres, but I've, everything's ready i haven't made any sudden movements i have not turned my head to him and my eyes are just watching him as they come through and out again out of my peripheral is a couple of other fish come in a bit closer and they're swimming broadside to me i'm thinking oh no no this can't be and they look like they're in range like as i said with the water clarity being the way it was and nothing to give me perspective from behind them because we're in blue water. I felt like this fish was in range, and he swam around in front of me. And I reckon it was about it was about four meters. When I spoke to Steve up on the surface, he said it was more like five. But who knows? I thought I've got to have a go at this, so I've popped him. Um, and the little gun I have, it, it's a little ripper, and it. I've got a 7 mil shaft on it, so it has a reasonable amount of punch. Well, I've popped him just in behind the gill plate, about mid-body just behind the gill plate. And I thought, that's good. And I emphasise this all happens in seconds, but it feels like minutes. And I've just had time to grab, because the spear is attached to the gun by cord, so I've just grabbed the cord in my hand, taken a wrap, and he's like, he's woken up from being stunned and Kingies whenever they get hooked or whatever they go straight to the bottom to the reef so he's flying to this precipice to get in under the undercut and I thought oh god if he gets there I've lost the Kingie, I've lost my gear and I've probably lost me because by this stage I'm (laughs) I'm totally gassed I've got nothing left so I give him a huge yank on the spear which turns his head so i think great and i gained a couple of meters so i'm i've started going to the surface by this stage and he's like well buggy you pal and he's given another surgeon he's dragged me back down and i'm going oh no and i've got this little debate going on do i let go do i let go and i've looked up to the surface and there's steve up on the surface and he's giving me the okay sign and i'm like I have no clue if I'm okay or not. I've just, <laughs> I have no idea. So, are is you that, supposed
1: to respond with an okay or?
0: Well, I've sort of, I'm not sure if I did because yeah. I'm starting to get a little distressed, you might say, through lack of air. I think I've given him the okay or shrugged my shoulders or whatever. And it was either give my gun and fish up or have a red hot go trying to get to the surface. So, I'm not sure exactly what happened then, but I, I'm pretty sure I just closed my eyes and swam for it. And, um, next thing I know, I've hit the surface. And thank God Steve was easy. he Yeah. He, he's a ripping bloke, this fella. He's just, he's seen that I was in a bit of strife. He's grabbed the cord. I've burst out of the water, just grabbed some air. You know, I've got dots in my eyes. I've got all the things that shouldn't happen were happening. Um... But I've made the surface. i think you ripper! <laughs> well, i looked out, and there's McKee. <laughs> On the end of the spear, he's just going apeshit. And um, so Steve and I start trying to wrangle this fish. And took a fair amount of effort. And I've looked over to where my boat is, and Duncan's probably 60 metres away. And he's at the back of the boat. He's seen me pop out of the water and as he said later, he said, "Then all hell broke loose." He said, "You guys just got lost in the white water." He said, "It was just like a school of piranha are attacking you." Because when we got was the he fi- worried? Well, he he had two lines out, so he reeled them as, in as quickly as he could, and he's made his way to us. Um. So yeah, we're trying to wrangle this fish. And until we got hold of him, I had no clue how big the bugger was. And he was bigger than I thought he was. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, yes, this is pretty good. But how the hell do we control this fish and get him into the boat? So as you should normally do, um, you know, you've got to try and dispatch them while you're in the water, which means you you know, you know, put a knife in the back of their head and try and sever their spinal cord, which we tried to do. Um And probably with the mistake we made, Steve was holding the head and I was holding the tail, which gave the fish a bit more leverage against us so he could throw us around a bit more. Um, But, you know, these are all things in hindsight where you get really smart when you think about it later, but it is what it was. So I stabbed him, tried to dispatch him, didn't complete the job, which made him fight again. And in the process of regaining control and trying to dispatch him, went to stab him through the back of the head again and and just as I went to stab him, he slipped and instead of stabbing the fish, I stabbed Steve. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know. You believe this? I, I can't believe it. I stuck the knife between his thumb and his index finger through that webbing in his hand. Oh, my God. And Steve was like it didn't happen. This is how good this bloke is. The Priority was the fish, he didn't give a damn about the fact that I just stuck a knife into his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a ripping bloke, and um, so yeah, we finally got the fish, we finally dispatched him, finally got him on board the boat. Um, so yeah, Duncan took the fish on board. I've had to get on board because I'm cooked, I'm totally cooked. Yeah, I'm, you know,
1: adrenaline the, shot,
0: yeah, adrenaline shot, the lack of what it. Maybe the whole combination of things, I, I, was, I was cooked. Steve wasn't too flush. He's jumped on board. He, he was a bit green around the gills because... You stabbed him. Yeah, I'd stabbed <laughs> him. He'd tried swimming around a bit and he just had a blood trail following him, so he didn't like that idea too much. Yeah. So we've got on board. We've chewed the fat a bit and he's calmed down. We've put a pressure bandage on his hand and, you know, things were starting to feel pretty good. So um, I'm on top of the world. I'm absolutely on top of the world. Here's this fish that's bigger than I could have anticipated.
1: How big? Did you weigh
0: it? Yeah, yeah. He ended up being around 14 kilos and he was about 1.15 metres in length. So he was, he, was, he was a good one, good one. So, yeah, we're just chewing the cut and having a nice old talk. And about 40 minutes later, Steve says, well, I think I'm feeling okay now. I might jump in and see if I can get one for myself. I said, do you want to back up? He said, yeah, probably will. I said, great, okay. He said, but I'll call you if I need you. So I said, no worries. So I kept... So I the
1: cut had stopped bleeding?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. we put a pressure, you know, we pressured, wrapped his hand up and put pressure on it so it stop the blood and he put a glove over his hands what to keep f- things... What a hell in. man. And
1: huh? What a hell man.
0: Oh, he's a rip... Yeah, 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 he was good. He was good. Ended up being three stitches and a bruised bone.
1: Wow, okay, we've still got power here. the lights just went out.
0: That's interesting. And Yeah, it must be the storm. Sometimes happens. Wow. Have you still got power on the computer?
1: Yeah, we're still recording because 'cause I'm going off the computer battery.
0: Okay. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, of course. This is okay. cool. So Steve's jumped in. Yeah. So probably a good hour or so after I'd got mine, I've been keeping a bit of an eye. I've been you know, we've been shadowing Steve with the boat, and I'm keeping an eye on him. He's done this dive. He'd done a few dives, but he's done this dive, and I thought, he's on. So I've got myself all ready. I put my mask on and all of that. Yeah. And um, he's come up. I said, you on? He said, yep. You need a hand? He said, yep. So I've jumped in with my gun. I've swum over to him. And Steve had a particular type of gun called a reel gun, which has like a fishing reel on it which Ah. has about i'm not sure how many meters of cord i'm going to say 50 plus meters of cord wow yeah right yeah so but he's got his fish in to about eight meters from the surface he's on the surface and he said you might because and he's shot him through the flank so in the middle of the fish so he's the fish has still got a fair amount of life in him he's fighting like tooth and nail because he's through a softer part of the fish the hole where the spear went is getting larger and larger and steve was a bit concerned that he might pull through yeah so he said do you reckon you can go down and drop drop a shot into him i said yeah sure so i've dived down it looked only about eight meters but unbeknownst to me as i'm diving down he's letting cord out oh and i've got down i'm thinking this can't be eight metres, can't be eight metres, because I've been swimming and swimming and swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just checked my watch out, and I'm 15 metres down, and I'm still nowhere near the fish. And he's he's, head down, tail up, and I'm looking at his tail, and he's swimming vigorously, so I'm getting this S shape going through his body. So I figure the only thing I can do is try and time a shot, shoot down his body in the hope that I hit his head, and get him put a spear into his head and um sure enough that happens i let the spear go and i'm probably the split second too late because i've actually glanced off his gill plate so i didn't land the spear but by this stage i have to get back up to the surface once again i'm out of
1: yeah out of gas
0: i'm out of gas so i've swum back up and by the time i've got up steve's been reeling in his line and there's there's just a mess of line everywhere. But he's got he's got the um, fish within about four meters again, pulls it in. We end up landing the fish and get it in the boat as quick as we can. So that just finished what was a magnificent day. It made it even more magnificent. The two of us had fish. His was the longest one he'd speared because his was about was over 1.2 metres, I think it was about 1.22 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and about 15 and a half kilos. So they were two magnificent fish. Fuck. The fishermen that would been in, in the area, who'd had no luck like we had had, no luck line fishing, they all were just... Gobsmacked? Gobsmacked, annoyed, yeah. whatever. They all just took off. They were <laughs> yeah. a bunch of very unhappy fishermen because uh, we end up getting the t- getting a couple that they'd been trying by this stage for about three three hours for.
1: What a yarn! Um, what did you do with the fish?
0: Oh, yeah, kingfish are just magnificent eating. Uh, in particular, we like sashimi, so raw fish. Yeah. So we just do really simple. Um, Citrus soy with a bit of wasabi and just eat it like that. And then what we also like, we had some time in Tonga and they do their raw fish, well, they treat it in a particular way. It's called otaiki, which is basically lemon and lime juice which effectively cooks the fish. You dice it up into small fingernail-sized pieces and you effectively make a, a tropical salsa out of it. Yeah, with, the acidity you know, the cu- cooks it, right? Yeah, the acidity. Yeah. You mix it with coconut milk, uh, cucumber, tomato, coriander. I like fresh ginger, things like that. And you, we just eat it over a, basically uh, spinach leaves or lettuce leaves. It's just the most magnificent meal. So, yeah, we've pretty much eaten all our kingfish. We gave a bit away, of course, the... Uh, they're quite a high yielding fish but what blew me away is when after i'd finished dressing the fish and doing all that i i weighed its head mm. and its head alone was 3.2 kilos just
1: beast
0: yeah they are just a beast of a fish yeah
1: did you ever hear from steve
0: uh yeah look i kept in touch with him i was concerned about his hand did he get stitches yes yeah he got uh three stitches Bruised the bone or bruised the knuckle at the base of his thumb. Uh, so there's a little bit of a score into that on the bone.
1: <laughs> Fucking, he's got three stitches and he still went back down before. What a uh, Yeah, well, pretty. he had
0: a cut worth three stitches, yeah.
1: Pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's impressive dude. We went out again to have a go, but this time around the conditions, this was about a week or so later. Oh, it was probably 10 days later. Uh, the conditions were nowhere near as amenable. It was really wind against tide, mm. quite a deal of chop around. Uh, the water, we'd lost the visibility. It was back to about five metres. So it was just a fairly tough, unpleasant um, – not unpleasant, it was just difficult. It was a very energy-sapping dive. So, yeah, but we had a good day out in the boat. Went and explored a few other spots, um, so, I mean, you know, I will get out with Steve again. I haven't been out since, but um, yeah, I'll be rectifying that. He's a guy I'd like to spend a bit of time with in the water, definitely.
1: Well, that is a ripping yarn, Butch. <laughs> um, I can't believe that we've just done the last part in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> I can't with see the power you. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. probably see me because of the computer light. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah. Talking to the dark.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably better for you than I am in the dark. It's like, geez, Butch, you look much better. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, makes me feel good about life. Well, yeah. thanks so
1: much for telling me that story, Butchie.
0: Oh, was great, Johnny. Thank you for the opportunity. No, My yeah. pleasure, my pleasure.
2: Awesome.
1: I am Buzz Lightyear. What? Hi, this is Harry Connick Jr. Yeah!
2: This is a, it's, makes oh, now makes, makes, makes a time. Yeah, and um, my mum and my auntie.
1: So, you, oh, it was your mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some reason I thought it was your mother in law, and I yeah, was like, no, oh fuck yeah, my, right. Mum and auntie, yeah. Yeah, okay. four of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And it was uh, May '98.
1: Okay, nineteen ninety eight. Yep. Yeah. And um, and it was just a holiday. Yeah, holiday. Um, mum. Anything spe- like specific?
2: Or? Yeah, it was when um, Crown Towers on the Gold Coast first opened up. Um, we were the first ones to stay in that room, and um. Mum got a deal and they upgraded us to the level, and the levels above that weren't finished, but the um, bottom half of the hotel was um, in, in use, and uh, we're the first ones to stay in that room. And I remember because our actual level was the same height as the, um, the bungee jump or the slingshot thing, The slingshot, yeah. yeah, that's
1: So that's the one that goes the opposite to a bungee yeah, yeah. jump.
2: And also, we, we could, were at the same level the bungee jump was, and we saw a lot of people. We'll see it over the, um, over the week we are up there.
1: So when you're in your room, you just see people boinging up and down? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, <laughs> and going there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. The perfect level for that, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you, you were going to SeaWorld or...? So
2: yeah, we did SeaWorld, World, and DreamWorld. We did the um, theme park The, the trifecta. Yeah, yeah. That, yep. That's the trifecta's three yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and so I kind of remember
2: you were saying that um, you'd been a good boy. I've been, yeah, well, not the night before. i um, yeah, I got on it. Saw the night, well, each night I was on it. Yeah. And that night I got on it and I didn't drink that morning. This is the morning I went to uh, Movie World. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was doing the right thing, walking around with, you know, my girlfriend, my mum, my auntie. Yeah. And um, they looked up all the stuff that was there and they saw there was a Dirty Harry bar. And they said, "Oh, because you've been really good and not whinging and you know carrying on like you normally do in the morning. Yeah, do you want to go there and have a drink? And we'll take off and we'll come back in an hour or so." Yeah, yeah. I said, "Yeah, cool." Yeah. So um, yeah, we, we, they showed me where Movie World was, Because uh, 'cause I'm not a big one to go on all the rides and that. They that roller coaster. That just Greg, you don't like it? No oh, shit, no. No, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> um, as a younger kid, I did, but I, I didn't like it, so I just thought that's not my thing. Yeah. So I yeah, went over to the Dirty Harry Bar and I hadn't had a smoke all morning because I was with them. Yeah. So I lit up a smoke. Hold on, you had did you gone to have a beer first, or did you? No, no, I needed a cigarette. Needed, um, yeah, direct. Yep. I don't think you can smoke in there. Um, so I was leaning on this like a little bridge setup, yeah. Looking over the water, ha- having a smoke, and this bloke's come up to me, started talking to me. Uh, I didn't even see him approach, and then I had a chat with him oh you know five to ten minutes and after about five minutes i looked up because the smoke had finished and then I did thought, he ask you for a smoke no i don't from memory he didn't smoke oh he just came um, over and had a yeah, yard. yeah. He, he came up to me and started talking yeah and um like i said so i didn't even look at him i was just looking ahead talking to him being polite yeah um i was pretty hungover so i wasn't really in the mood to even talk <laughs> yeah and he was keen to have a chat yeah and i thought oh you know why do you want why are you picking on me but you know i started talking to him and then when i actually looked at his face because we've been talking for a while yeah I thought, because first when I saw him, I saw it on. I didn't recognise his face, but I recognised his voice a little bit, and I thought, geez, something for me about him. But I'm in Queensland, so I thought I'm just hungover and being an idiot. Yeah. Of course, um, when he looked at me, I, I thought I said, I oh, know your face from somewhere, and he just said, yeah, yeah, I get that a lot, you know. Kept talking, didn't, didn't want to enter that conversation. So the whole time I'm talking to him, he's answering questions, and I'm talking to him, and I'm answering his questions. In the back of my mind, I thought, I oh, know this guy. Do you remember what you were talking about? I have no idea. Just yeah, Yeah, just, yeah. just talking. Just yeah. talk, random crap. And um, he was keen to keep talking. All, all I wanted to do was go in for a drink, but he just kept going on and on and on. And I thought, oh. And, and after a while, I said, um, I'm going in for a drink. Do you want to join me? And he goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, but then after that, I said, geez, I swear i know you. I said, I oh, don't be rude, but I, I don't know where I know you're from. I said, have you ever been to Victoria? And he said, no, no, I've never been to Victoria. And then, of course, um, after about another couple of minutes, I realised who it was. And all that coming in my head was Mork from York. <laughs> and I could not say that because he's a famous actor. Um, I, did, I didn't want to downgrade him just to be a Mork. Yeah. So as we're walking into the um, Dirty Harry bar, I have a drink. It come to me, the penny dropped. And I thought, oh, it's Robin Williams. And I said, oh, you're Robin Williams? He goes, yeah, I know, but don't worry about it. And I'm going, no, no, but you're Robin Williams, mate. I said, why are you talking to me? He goes, don't worry about it. We're going to have a drink or what? So anyway, we're going to the bar, and uh, he wanted to buy the first round. I said, no, no, no. If I'm drinking with Robin Williams, I'm buying the first round. And he wasn't happy with that. I said, well, if, if you're not going to let me share your drink, then I'm not drinking with you. So he goes, oh, right, fair enough. So we, um, And he, he drank the same drink I did, because when I go to the airport, I used to drink Jack Daniel's lemonade. Yeah. Um, and he, he used to drink J.D. and Coke, he said, but he was going to go lemonade the same as me. <laughs> So we got on the JD and Lemonade um, and we kept talking and the whole time people, not probably not until the second or third drink, then people started coming over realizing who it was. Cause we were just two guys at the bar talking and, and drinking. And then um, as we're having on the third drink, um, people started coming over, want his autograph, wanted some photos and he, he did it, but he, he didn't really want to do that. He just wanted to relax and, and, and talk. Yeah. And um, after a while, and I, I bought the third drink and then he um, people still coming over and after, then he said, no, it's my shout. I said, "No." Nah. I said, he goes, look, I earn more money than you. He goes, I'm pretty sure I'm a lot richer than you, so I'm, buying, I'm shouting you. And he's calling me Greg, and I'm thinking, I can't believe this folks calling me from my first name, you know. Yeah. So, and I'm still starstruck by who I was talking to, and um, he, he just wanted me to talk, because he, he, he wanted to hear someone that d- didn't really care about his life, just wanted to learn something's going on in the world that, you know, doesn't involve him. And, um... So I just kept talking to him, and then people come up, and after a while, we're on the fourth drink, the one that he bought. And was he fucking funny? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I got him going. I said, "Come on!" I said, "I'm not going to um, not let not let you wind out and hit a few, you know." Yeah. So we're just you know hanging on the barmaid. We're, but but same time people coming up and disturbing him. And I remember this little kid come up, and he he wasn't nasty, he wasn't rude, wasn't um, didn't snap at him, but he just his tone of voice changed. he just didn't want to do that anymore he just wanted to sit there and relax um, obviously the alcohol was started to kick in a little bit and he was enjoying having a drink and so was I and I was even get sick of these people come up because they're like I just want to talk to this bloke myself now yeah. and um, he reluctantly yeah, signed this autograph got a photo of this kid and he said he sort of turned around and said to the rest of the, um, the bar he said no more so he goes I'm having a, a chat and a drink with my mate Greg and I'm like whoa I can't believe you just said that you know And I'm, it's probably the biggest highlight of my life anyway um we had a chat, had a talk, and then finished the fourth the fourth drink, and uh, I do not remember much what we talked about, to be honest. Um, and, and we were there for at least, uh, in there for at least 45 minutes. By that time, uh, mum, my girlfriend at the time, and my come back, and they're like, Greg, you know who you're talking to? Just assuming I'm half a drunk Muppet by this stage, and don't, I have no idea who I'm talking to. I said, yeah, me mate, Robin. <laughs> so, you know, he introduced me mum, my girlfriend at the time, and um, my auntie, and yeah, uh, it was all good. Uh, something i'll never forget um but the crux of it is i remember he was keen to talk to me because i had no idea who i was talking to and he just wanted a, a conversation with a stranger so he could just talk and i remember as we we're walking in he actually said i haven't talked to anyone like this for at least three months he goes I, everywhere i go i get mobbed um he goes i understand it comes with with the job you know the fame and the fortune but he said i just want to have a conversation with someone he goes you've given me a conversation that I haven't yeah I haven't had for three months and I'm thinking I don't even know what I've said to you you know but he was happy with that he was happy just to have a chat and uh, I'll never forget it and then um, that was May '98 so we fast forward to uh, what are we now uh, not not '19 so probably '14 probably 2013 I um I'd had enough I was at the stage of my life where the alcohol had taken over my life was crap. Um, and then 2014 came and my ex left me she finally wisened up and said you know i want you out of the house and i had no choice so i had to leave and um it was a tuesday night and I, I used to do a spin class on a tuesday night and um and this day i had a real rough day and i just thought i'm, I'm going to pack it in I'm, I'm leaving this world i'm checking out and it was about four o'clock when i decided that's it i can't do this anymore and then i thought well spin class is 5:30. i'll go to spin class And if I have a crap class, which which the last few before that, I had been having crap classes. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I thought, stuff, I'll check out after that. And um, I don't know why, but anyway, three-quarters of the way through that spin class, Bianca, the instructor, said, oh, did did anyone hear about Robin Williams? And she said he he, he committed suicide last night. And I'm pretty sure that was a Monday night over in America. And, of course, um, when she said that, because I had that, not that it's a connection much in the world, but it was a big connection for me, because I had that connection with him, um that really scared the shit out of me and um it really sunk home and i, I swear for at least a month on i didn't think about suicide after that because that rocked me because to me he was a good mate and i, I in the bottom of my heart i know if i ever ran into him again he would come up and you know we'd probably go to t- 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 for tea one night somewhere or go out and do something you know because yeah. was a top bloke yeah really related to his stories and um and vice versa i'd like to think probably just happy to talk to someone but anyway, <laughs> I'll take that claim to fame um, and yeah I'll, I'll never forget and when she said that and I went up to her after the end of the class I said I can't believe or Williams isn't here anymore she goes yeah how can anyone commit suicide and um, I wanted to tell her that yeah well in another hour and a half or maybe half an hour I'll, I'll be doing the same thing and um, that was meant to be because I wasn't actually going to that class that night and, and, and she I don't even know why she said it and I did ask her down the track like a month later why did you say that she goes I don't know I just felt like saying, it. I said, well, lucky you did because, you, you know, for that night, it saved my life. And um, you know, we've been good friends, and she was trying to get me off the grog many times by doing classes, and she would go to of a, a every night time to two She loved two sugars. I think went to movies a couple of times, and, and just did random things. But um, yeah, if it hasn't been for him, and and the news coming through on a day, it did. Well, you know, it saved my life that day. So I, I hope I meet him in the next lifetime because. Um, yeah, I, I want to run into him again because he was a top bloke <laughs> and I'm, I'm so sad he's gone, you know. It's All right, Greg, I am so sad he's
1: gone but I am so glad that you are still with us.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Look, mate, I look back every day since and I think, oh, not since then, it was a, about another two years after that. Uh, I'm not suicidal anymore um, and I understand why I did it because, you know, when you're get when you in depression, anxiety, you can't see out of it. Uh, I, I don't think like that anymore. Um, I'm a different person but back then, I, I totally related why I did it and, um, i just sad I wasn't there because I know I I could have talked him out of it at the time and vice versa, you know. But that's how it is. We do this to ourselves and um, if we don't seek the right help and go through the right channels, that's what happens. And unfortunately, a lot of people end up that way. And I'm glad I didn't do it myself now because life's never been better.
1: Mate, Greg, thank you so much. No
2: worries. Cheers, John. Hi,
1: this is Harry Connick Jr. Bad day on the L-I-R-R. Well, the day started off like most. It was cold outside, snow on the street, a not too unusual sight for New York City in the winter. There'd been a pretty good snowstorm overnight, but McQueen's apartment was reasonably warm and the wind was still blowing from the northwest. I had the day off. It was a couple of hours till low tide. I had time to make scrambled eggs on toast and a cup of coffee later I'm at the door. I've got four cold blocks ahead. I'm rugged up. Sorrell's. Thermal top and bottoms, gloves, beanie, my winter jacket, my backpacks on. I've got my 543 Weddy in with a built-in hood, booties and gloves and I'm ready to surf Antarctica. Getting to the entrance of the subway when a random old Asian man offers to buy my surfboard. Mm, how much, how much, how much, he keeps repeating, how much? And I'm pretty sure he's talking about my surfboard but he could have been offering about me, I don't know. But not long after, I'm on the E-train headed for towards Jamaica. Not Jamaica Mon, but Jamaica, the ghetto outer suburb of New York City, where if I've timed it right, I should have a smooth crossover to the Long Island train. The L-I-R-R. The Long Island Railroad. Last stop, Long Beach, Long Island. Usually I'd stop here for breakfast and get an egg and cheese roll, but not this morning. It's too fucking cold for pit stops and I've already had breakfast. So I get the changeover without too much of a hiccup. Before long, I'm on my way to the Long Island for what should be some fun waves. If the wind hangs in there, I get off the train I walk through the snow for four blocks before hitting the boardwalk and checking the surf. It's three foot and fun. The wind wasn't too bad, except for it was about 10 degrees minus. I watched the surf for a while and there wasn't a soul around. There was a left breaking pretty consistently up the beach about 800 meters away, so I marched up. And as I'm watching it break quite nicely with no one around, all of a sudden I see a man cross country skiing down the beach swoosh straight past me. It was pretty crazy. I'm looking at him like he's crazy and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm pulling my weddy out of my backpack and my surfboard's on the snow. Anyway, I sued up and surfed the left for about an hour and a half and it was super fun. But that's all I could take before the wetty stopped working and I made a quick exit to the beach. It's not really somewhere you want to get cold. I ran up and got changed under the boardwalk. It was freezing. The brief moments that your damp skin is exposed in those elements with that wind chill feels very fucking serious indeed. Mountain climbers are nuts back in my warm gear i'm still cold i drink the remainder of some ruby red grapefruit juice i had in my backpack and realize i've got half an hour before the next train leaves and i want to be on it pretty badly so i ran most of the way back to the train station hoping to warm up again step by step i get to the train station and get my ticket i have got 15 minutes to burn before it leaves it's running slightly late within a flash i'm back across the road to a new burger shop that had just opened on the corner they had a special on it. It was all the toppings you want for free. I'm fucking in. I have extra mushroom. again, egg, cheese, fried onion, ketchup, mayo, tomato. It comes out and I inhale it. It's a little bit on the too much side with the, topi- of, with the toppings. Uh, they spill out everywhere and I'm struggling to get them all in my mouth. Fuck the train. I'm not sure how much time has gone past. I happen to see the bathroom sign on the way out. Nah, they'll have toilets on the train i pick up my board and pack back and hightail it back to the station i grab a chunky chocolate bar and another ruby red on the way through the station and i'm back in the warmth of the train finding a nice seat with no one around i pull out some papers that i've got to read for school and start snacking on the chunky i'm trying to concentrate on the papers but not doing a very good job as i couldn't stop thinking about the surf i just had and how fun it was and what a cool experience it all just been then it happened there was a movement in my stomach that I could hear. Bow. And I thought, well, fuck, that was pretty serious. But just as quick as it happened, it went away, so I proceeded to read. But another minute or two later, bow. It was back, and I knew then and there that this was a pretty big time, and I probably should find a, to- a train toilet. So off a pop. A couple of char- carriages later, and a few more bowls. I'm standing outside the toilet, reading a sign saying, we apologize for any inconveniences, but the toilet is temporarily out of service. I literally turned white with horror. Oh, (laughs) the horror. This was fucking serious. So I set out looking for another toilet, pacing, but not too fast. Please let there be another toilet. Please let there be another toilet. No, what the fuck? You've got to be kidding me. Okay, relax. Just go sit down for a bit. So I go back and I sit down and only discover that that's worse. Sitting, the body must think that I'm sitting on a toilet. So fucking hell, body, I'm not. I get up and I start pacing the carriage like a stiff-legged terrorist. What is the plan here? Think. Okay, three more stops and we're back in Jamaica. There is a nice little toilet in the ticket area at Jamaica and I can do it. I must do it for fuck's sake. I can do it. Sweat beads start forming on my forehead and I'm I'm clenching my butt cheeks like I'm doing it for world peace or something significant, other than the fact I'm a microscopic fart away from shitting myself on a public train. Please no. I grab my backpack and put it on. Grab my board and I head for the door. Problem. I'm still another stop out. I'm standing in the door trying to look normal. Two minutes out of Jamaica, I look over at a group of girls checking me out. Yeah, dude on a train with a surfboard. They're all smiling as I turn white. The train starts to slow way too early for the station. What the fucking hell is going on? And it happened. A tiny fart goes through the keeper. And following it is the fucking gravy train and I can't stop it. I'm shitting myself in public. Is this a dream? Please, for fuck's sake, be a dream. No, this is not a dream. And before I know it, reality starts to sink in people start to look at one another like what the fuck is that smell and i'm trying to look cool but it ain't really working it really is the most fucked thing physically and emotionally to shit yourself on a train while girls are checking you out that's a real fucking winner the doors open but it's too late the train has left the station so to speak i step out onto the snow dusted platform and i can feel it stuck to my box of briefs which have been held firm by my thermal pants and it's the mother load it's a terrible situation I wish the earth would have swallowed me up standing there alone on that platform. Okay, it's not going to swallow me up, so I better get fucking moving. I start the journey to the bathroom. It's only up an escalator, across the platform, down two floors in a lift, through a lobby, and hopefully there'll be a free cubicle. The walk was terrible. Stiff legs for minimal movement. I'm up the escalator and walking across the platform, toward the lift. I'm in a serious mood. If anyone comes between me and that bathroom, well, I'll, I'll just have to say get the fuck out of my road. I've got no time for chit-chat. This guy walks past me and says, Suss up, dude. I don't even register his existence except that he'd said something to me. I'm waiting for the lift when this other guy shows up beside me and I'm thinking, bad move, buddy. You really don't want to be in a lift with me. As this thought flows through my head, the other guy yells out from across the platform, hue giving the big gesture with his hand flailing across his nose. I just look at the other guy beside me like, that guy must be crazy, but he will know the truth shortly. We step into the lift when the, this poor girl sneaks in as the doors are closing. She's talking on her phone. The lift starts heading down. About a second later, her conversation stops dead. She just looks at me and the other guy expressionless, and I'm trying to give the look like it's him, it's him. The lift ride felt like an eternity. Bing, the doors open, everyone's out, and I'm beelining for the bathroom like a madman storming through the lobby. Bam, the bathroom door open. Thank fuck the disabled toilet is free. I throw my board and my backpack down, and the cleaning begins. I thought for a while that I'd be wearing my wetsuit for the rest of the way home. But after binning a pair of briefs and thermal pants, the jeans were okay to get home in. But I did end up throwing them out shortly after as the memory was too much. The jeans had to go. A little post-traumatic stress going on with the filthy reminder. I don't remember the rest of the trip home, really. It was cold. I just remember getting home and throwing down my board and backpack on my bedroom floor. And a while later, my housemate saying, Are you okay? As I stood there staring at the bedroom wall. Yeah, I'm fine, I mumbled as I walked to the shower. Bad day on the LIR.
2: Okay, there you have it. There was
1: my, um, there was my Mad Hatter's experiment. My Mad Hatter tea party experiment. Three for the price of one. Three for free. Um, whoever you are, wherever you are, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed those um, those stories. Um, yeah, it's Sunday night. I need to fucking. I need to go to bed. It's late. It's late dog is looking at me like you're a fucking weirdo talking to yourself at your desk and I am I am it's true you're right on it Billy all right till next time take it easy